Hello and welcome to Primary Sources, a spin-off podcast from the Doctor Who show, where we take what fans were saying about Doctor Who in the 80s and the 90s, generally in letters to Doctor Who magazine, and we riff on it. The conversation might stick closely to what's said in the letters, or it might go somewhere else entirely. Who knows? For this episode, I'm joined by my Doctor Who show co-host, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Rob. How far back into last century are we going this episode? Oh, well, we are going back to February... Of 1989. Wow. I was I was an eight-year-old starting grade three, beginning a year of uh, active combat between myself and my teacher. Fantastic. Sounds like a fun year. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> I was saying that facetiously. Uh, I, 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 I just, I, I figured, but bad memories. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, we'll get away from that. And we'll, <laughs> we'll kick off with a letter. And this may bring up some memories for you because it actually brought up memories for me. And I'd completely forgotten about this. Anyway, without any more preamble, the letter is called, Can You Believe It? How can people be so cruel? Here in Australia, the 24th season has just reached us, and we are enjoying it immensely. With it, advertised by the ABC, we were lured into thinking we might eventually be able to glimpse, for the first time, the fossilised remains of an unearthly child, supposedly rescued from the BBC vaults, in five-minute segments before each episode screened. Is this ringing any bells yet? No. Okay, I'll go on. Instead, we suffered an unforgivable blasphemy. In place of the long-awaited pilot story, we were shown cuts from The Spanish Main, an old pirate movie modified with dubbed-over voices. A tale unfolded about the capture of the Doctor and his TARDIS, which was a galleon, by the Daleks, who were fat Spanish conquistadors, who were after the secret of fresh cottage cheese. Incidentally, I'd like to congratulate the Rani's marksmanship. I don't know anyone else who can down a TARDIS light years away with a small handgun. She didn't even have to use the crosshairs. And that's from Daniel Logovic, Queensland, Australia. Now, Dave, you don't remember this at all. So this has jogged a few memories, but none of them related to the contents of the letter. <laughs> the afternoon show, it was it was like a, a joke James Valentine played. And I right. I had forgotten it, but I this jogged my memory and they had taken old footage from this old movie, redubbed it, and they were they'd been saying, Oh, we're gonna show this old black and white, you know, unearthly child, you know, all this and that's what they did. Yes! Now you explain it to me. Yes, I... Oh, my goodness. It's come back. I was eight at the time, remember? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, No, I do vaguely remember having moments of whatever the eight-year-old language for what the... Is that? Um, <laughs> would have been. Yeah, that's... I do remember that. Yeah, I read this letter and I thought, oh, my God, I actually remember this now. And I thought it was crap. <laughs> so what, what actually it did... Yeah, it was. Let's just put that out there it was um what this actually did remind me of is that four years later the abc did show an unearthly child yes uh for the 30th anniversary that showed across monday to thursday at six six o'clock or six thirty or something so um i i do remember seeing that go out that being quite interesting experience and and when the letter referenced cottage cheese i was like is is he talking about peter russell clark (laughs) come and get it (laughs) <laughs> Come and get it. For, 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 
for, for, the, for those who aren't uh, people who watch TV in Australia, Come and Get It with Peter Russell Clark was a five-minute cooking show that was often used to fill the gap between the goodies and Doctor Who mm. or Yes Minister and Doctor Who or whatever. Although if um, you go and search for YouTube clips of Come and Get It, you'll probably only get the blooper reel, which is very, 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 I'm not over-exaggerating, very not suitable for work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, Peter Russell Clark was, you know, this very you know charming but um you know very professional tv chef you know he he'd once cooked for the prince of wales you know mm-hmm. and uh, all the bloopers are him swearing like an absolute trooper like you cannot believe it's hilarious actually do go and look it up folks you'll enjoy yourself and and look this isn't this isn't too big of a side trap because i think for any doctor who fan of our age our, our memories of watching doctor who going out pretty much every night of the year, Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday, mm. uh, intermixed with stuff like Come and Get It, as well as The Goodies and Yes Minister and Danger Mouse and all those sort of things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and adver- advertisements. I seem to think the Life Be In It ad would play as well with, yes, with Norm, the character Norm. Yeah. That's right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Memories. 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 <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah. Okay. This one is called, but not in this corner. The Happiness Patrol, moronic or masterpiece? The latter, of course, but I can see that as the credits rolled, long-term fans, for want of a better word, reaching for their pen and paper to send their complaints to you, not stopping to consider that this story had more than all of Tom Baker's stories put together, and the combination of characterization and feeling at the end of the story could have more sensitive viewers unashamedly in tears. So congratulations to all involved. This is the Doctor Who that I, and I'm sure many others, would like to see in the future. That's from Paul Kinnear, uh, Wirral. I wonder if he's in relation to Rory Kinnear or Roy Kinnear. Well, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> it would be something. Their long-lost cousin who didn't go into acting. Um, that's really interesting, and, and I certainly remember the controversy over the happiness patrol when i was a fan and i can understand it because episode one of the happiness patrol opens with a woman in pink clothing and a great big huge comedy pink wig Mm. saying have a nice death yeah and it it ends with a giant talking sweetie (laughs) saying i want my victims to die with smiles (laughs) on their faces now if you're in the mood for that that's really cool and i really enjoy it if you're not in the mood for that and you're not expecting that and you're just watching Doctor Who go out at whatever time it was in the UK or at, you know, six o'clock on a weeknight here, it's very easy to go, what am I watching? Yeah. This is this is just puerile. But do you think, and we, we sometimes try and relate letters from this era or the eras we look at on the show to what happens in fandom today and we often come up, come up with the thought, hey, not much has changed. The way this guy seems to be overcompensating is very similar to how people overcompensate today. For the people who stick up for the Jodie Whittaker era, she is the best Doctor ever, the stories are the best ever, blah, blah, blah. And this guy is saying that the Happiness Patrol is as good as all of Tom Baker combined. Now, that's that's a bit of an overreach. I, yes, <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of fondness for the Happiness Patrol, but it is not, you know, up there with the best of Tom Baker. Well, all of um, Tom Baker put together. No, no, it's not. Um, what that actually reminded me a lot of was some of the forums during some of the Moffat era, 
where there was a real tone from some people of, if you don't enjoy what Stephen Moffat is making, it's actually your problem and your fault because you are clearly not intelligent enough to understand what he is doing. Yes. I remember and that. And that was, that was the vibe that actually just had me leave the forums at one point. And, just go, well, well, and I haven't been back. Yeah. I just thought, I, I don't want to be in this place because, you know, I, I consider myself a reasonably literate and literarily aware chap. Um, it's not that I don't understand what Moffat's doing. It's not that I don't respect what Moffat's doing. It just doesn't hit the mark for me. And... I think The Happiness Patrol is very much a story like that. If if that hits the mark for you and you get a bit of the satire that's going on, although I don't think it's nearly the satire that a lot of people think it is, um, if you get sort of what it's saying about societies, if you get the, f- the, the deliberate fakeness mm. of the society... Um, this is a, it's a really good show. If you if you think that the Candyman is a really interesting, funny vibe, you know, you know, basically the scene where the Candyman picks up the phone and says Candyman, yeah. <laughs> you either laugh at that or you cringe at that, and that's that's not to say you're smarter than the other person. It's just a different way that you react to that gag, and I personally think that's just brilliant. Other people go, that's just pure old. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, look, I I get mad at that kind of point of view too because this is popular entertainment. You shouldn't have to know that, oh, that was a reference to some 17th century, you know, French philosopher who once said blah, 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 blah. I know some Doctor Who fans get off hard on that sort of thing. But if you're just a kid or you're just someone who's not interested in that sort of thing, you should be able to say whether you like something or not and not be told, oh, well, you just don't get it that this was, you know, a a homage to, um, you know, popular 19th century novel uh, by blah, blah, blah. You know, that that's just wank to me, you know, and and on this show, I don't take that high ground. I try and take a more sort of a common, common man kind of. (laughs) Now I'm sounding wanky, but do you know what I'm trying to say? I don't try and make it too highfalutin. No, no, I, I do, and I'm, I'm reminded, although this isn't a Doctor Who example, I think it's very apposite, I'm reminded of when The Hollow Crown performed in Melbourne around about the year 2000 uh, with Derek Jacobi, Ian Richardson, Diana Rigg and Donald Sinden. Wow, what a cast. What a cast and what a play. And, and you know, I can still remember sitting there watching, for, for example, Derek Jacobi and Ian Richardson reenact the trial of Charles I or... Diana Rigg reading the letters of Queen Victoria. It was a marvellous production, but it's also a very clever script. It's got some very old-fashioned Shakespearean sort of jokes and references in it. Mm. And there was a gentleman sitting behind us in the audience who would have been 55, 60, rocked up in a tweed jacket. And every time there was a particularly witty or Shakespearean joke or reference, he would make a point of going, (laughs) just to make sure everyone in the audience knew that he'd got that joke because he was very intelligent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a word for people like that. There, there is. <laughs> and, and look, you're right, not a lot has changed. Um, and, and I think the, 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 the final point I make is the Happiness Patrol is now looked at very differently by a lot of fans. And it is that thing we've been talking about a lot with the Jodie Whittaker era, that how something goes down as you're watching it the first time often bears little resemblance to how you feel about it 5, 10, 30 years in the future. Mm. Well, look, I was only going to do three letters, but let me slip in a quick uh, quick one here because it's also on the Happiness Patrol. And, and funnily enough, the heading is called Contrast. 
The Happiness Patrol was a nice contrast to Remembrance. I like this new kind of story where the writers are really allowed to do just what they want to do and be as imaginative as they want. The idea was intriguing and the mix of real and unreal was very clever. The Candyman and the Candy Kitchen was probably the best part, but the Candyman looked a little odd. From some angles he seemed impressive and from other angles not at all. I also get the impression that this story was stretched to three episodes. Even the Doctor, the main character, seems to be wandering around and trying to find things to do. There is just not enough plot to go around. A great shame considering all the other ideas that have gone into it. That's from Paul Bryan, Southend, Essex. So not as effusive there from Paul. He picks a few flaws in it, but likes it. The one thing I'll... Well, I've got a couple of points to make. But the first point I'll make is that I think Paul's very right about season 25 in that it is a season of contrast. You you do lurch from Remembrance to Happiness to Silver Nemesis to Greater Show, mm. and they are four very different vibes of story, and, and that, I think, is a strength of the, the season. As much as I think season 26 probably has a better set of stories, it does feel like a very similar tone and vibe across the the season. Mm. Um, part, part of that is because... Andrew Cartmell's becoming more and more dominant and the writers he's hiring are getting on board with his plan. Part of it is also just because the production team, particularly Cartmell and Aronovich and, and writers like that, have worked out what the show can do. Yeah. So they're sitting there going, well, when we try to do a really cool futuristic space colony ruled by a tyrannical woman, it looks cheap and tacky and like a studio. If we set something in 18th century Earth, it looks phenomenally good. Mm. And that's why season 26 has three stories sit, sit, sit on Earth because they know we can, we can do this. We can make the budget work. Whereas, you know, the Happiness Patrol, I think, is let down a bit by the budget. It looks like a cheap studio production. It, it, it looks like a stage play, really. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And, of course, we've got to throw in the obligatory people should watch it in black and white for the film noir effect. <laughs> that, that's true. And it's also interesting as well, and we've talked about that a bit on this episode, in the last couple of episodes, the difference in the experience between Australia and the UK. For example, I can remember reading lots of comments about the Bertie Bassett controversy when Happiness Patrol came out. Now, I still have no idea what Bertie Bassett looks like. I'm aware that he's a sweets logo or mm. mascot in the UK, but I have no idea what he looks like. And certainly I don't think anyone here was going, oh my God, that looks like Bertie Bassett. Yeah, no. And and whilst I suspect a lot of Australians, particularly old ones, would have kind of got at the time that Sheila Hancock was kind of doing a bit of a, a Thatcher satire, at least in terms of mannerisms and voice, I didn't get that at the age of eight or nine when I saw The Happiness Patrol. And, and I suspect even Australians have gone, oh, I think she's doing a bit of Thatcher it wouldn't have resonated quite the same as in the UK where, where you know, Thatcher was on the news every night. Hmm. Yeah, a very different experience around the world. Anyway, shall we get into this final one? Yes, let's. It's a quick one. The heading is, Don't Bother. Oh, okay. <laughs> you may as well not bother showing a checklist as to what stories the BBC have recovered because no one in this country ever looks likely to see them. What sort of people at the BBC will show a season of Steptoe and Son and Faulty Towers repeats, but not even a hint of their most successful series, even in its 25th year? I read in the Daily Mirror a while ago that the BBC were planning a one-off special about the show and its history, so where is it? Jonathan Muir, Northampton. This is from 1989. Yes. Well, Resistance is Useless was 
four years off at that point, so I don't know what that was a reference to. Um, well, at, at the end of the letter, the, the editor of Doctor Who magazine mentions that they made a, um, a Silver Nemesis documentary for uh, the New Jersey Network, and I think that's available uh, on the DVD of Silver Nemesis, I think. It certainly was released on the VHS. I can't remember if it was on the DVD or there were copyright problems with it. Oh, it gosh. Like, I know I've seen it, but was it VHS or DVD? Yeah, I'm that old. I, I know I've seen it. That, that's the, the Gary Downey Let's Make Magic quote comes from. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So maybe the Daily Mirror caught a whiff of that documentary being made and reported on it, perhaps? Yeah, and, and look, fans hearing rumours about recovered episodes that have been locked away never to be seen, um, gee, talk about the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because, <laughs> you know, people still speculate about lockups in Wigan with discovered but not released stuff. Um, but what was really interesting to me is something I've been thinking about a bit lately, because at the time we were recording, of course, um, John Chalice passed away, mm. who I, I think of as being the, the wonderful Scorpion, the Seeds of Doom. And I hadn't actually realised he was a semi-regular in a number of series of Only Fools and Horses. Right, yeah. Because we talk about how 70s Doctor Who was a, you know, an ongoing thing. We, had, we all had yearly repeats of Pertwee and Tom and all the rest of that. But on the other hand, we never really got repeats and even proper screenings in some ways of stuff like Steptoe and Son and Only Fools and Horses. Mm. Like, I've never really seen those. I know there have been repeats here and there, but it's not something that was a big deal. The Goodies and Yes Minister were repeated on a regular basis in Australia. Faulty Towers was much, much rarer, but that was repeated a lot in the UK. And, and Python, I think, has been repeated more in the UK than it has here. What about The Bill? I mean, The Bill has a, a gazillion episodes, but that, that was repeated here. Yeah, that, that's had a number of repeats here. I can remember when I was 10 or 11, they did a whole repeat of The Bill, basically from episode one up to wherever they were at that stage, about season 12 or season 13. And I can remember us taping those and watching them as a family and catching up on old episodes of The Bill that we'd, we'd heard about. Would you be as transfixed as I was as a child watching the feet at the closing credits? Yes. To watch if they were in step with each other? Absolutely. It, it, is, <laughs> it is hypnotic. <laughs> yes. I had to mention that. Sorry. I'll probably never get another chance again to mention the feet on The Bill. <laughs> Yeah, so look, you know, th- there were different television experiences and, and some shows were much more synonymous with, with the UK or with, with Australia. And then there's stuff like Rainbow, for example, that I think every Doctor Who podcaster of a certain age reminisces about Rainbow. Mm. I don't think it's ever been shown here. And the only reason I know who Zippy is is because Roy Skeldon played it. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's a funny one because I want to jump in and say, oh, yeah, that was shown. That was like an early morning Channel 7 thing that I would watch when I was 10 years old. So you would have been a lot younger. Uh, but then I think, or have I just watched YouTube videos over the years and convinced <laughs> myself that I saw it as a child? I actually don't know. And that's kind of scary. And look, the, the final point I'll make, because we are running very close to the 20 minutes now, sure. is is obviously 1989 is probably just before the really big rollout of the VHS releases. I know by 91, they were starting to release stuff like the Dominators and the Web Planet and the War Games. Uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth, I think, was 1990. Um, so actually, we were very, very close as fandom to having a whole bunch of return material release so the glory days were just around the corner but we didn't know that i guess in 1989 
No. Question, quick question without notice. Do you think the BBC wasn't showing this stuff because they knew they were going to release it and they didn't want to cruel it somehow? Um, no, I think I think the BBC has never had the repeat culture that we have had in Australia mm. Be- because I think they make a lot more, obviously, of their own television. They have a lot more hours filled. Um, plus, the BBC showed a lot more sport than the ABC. Yeah, true. And that fills up a lot of hours. So... We, we had a much bigger culture of repeats than the, the UK did, and they just didn't show... I mean, even when Doctor Who was in its prime, it didn't get repeat series. It got the occasional repeat story, but I just think it was a different culture. And on that bombshell, uh, we should probably knock it on the head. Dave, that was a lot we of should. fun. We, this, this is an epic 21-minute-long episode of Primary Sources, so enjoy that bonus oh, link. Well, let, let's see what I edited down to yet. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, we'll speak again soon. We will. Bye now. Bye.